Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor, and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now, here's your host, DJ Payne. Good day, good day, and welcome to episode 17 of Thrive Deeper. It is I, your humble host, CJ Payne, and joining me as always on this episode is Dr. Pastor Matthew Jacoby. And for this episode, we are jumping into the first book of Thessalonians, the letter from Paul to Thessalonica. And uh, But before we do that, we have two questions uh, that we jump into. The first one being about defining words when we talk about the church. Uh, you know, some pretty big picture stuff here. And then we jump into a little bit of what does it mean to go deeper? We do all of that as an introduction before we get into First Thessalonians. I really enjoyed this conversation and I know that you will too. Now, as you as we begin, we, we open up to me and Matt talking about uh, Matthew's trip to the USA with Sons of Korah uh, for two weeks. They're on tour over in the USA. And uh, as we get into get into this week's episode, you'll, you'll open up to us talking about Matt's preparation in going there. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll talk to you at the end of the conversation here for Thrive Deeper. Last throws of activity before you go overseas to to do something. Trying to remember everything. Get, you've got a list of things to do. You've got car troubles. Well, I'm trying to sell a car before I go, and I almost, I almost did, but uh, I think I have. I've just got to leave it with someone else. Okay, and get the last minute touches fixed oh, up to the car. Yeah, don't talk to me about it. <laughs> I'm gonna shut it out. It doesn't exist. Before the before the microphones have been rolling, I've I've been hearing Matt bemoaning the uh, you know the existence of cars. Yeah. Uh, now um, you're not a car person, are you? No, I don't care what I drive as long as it gets me there. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm mm. so ut- utilitarian. It could be a yeah. white box like a fridge mm. with wheels. I don't care. Yeah. And one of our very best mates, uh, shout out to Ren and A. Mm. He's the complete opposite. Obsessed yeah. with cars. I, I don't have that gene in me. No, no, I have. I don't have that gene. Yeah. I mean, I'd be happy to to drive a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car if someone wanted to give me one, but I really could don't you, care. Could you really justify that? I'd have trouble. I'd have trouble justifying it to myself. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want to. If I suppose if everything's relative, isn't it? To, yeah, to what you earn. I right? true. I true. Yeah. If someone did want to, you know, I couldn't justify it to myself. <laughs> certainly not. Spending that money, but if someone had one laying around and they wanted you to drive it, you know, God uh, bless them. Uh, now we are. We've just finished off on the on last week's episode. In episode sixteen, we talked, uh, wrapped up the book of Colossians, mm. and uh, moving, you know, moving through uh, the Pauline uh, epistles. Now we're sort of mm. taking a left turn here with your introduction to uh, First Thessalonians, mm. but we'll get into that in a minute because there's been a question from last week's episode. Oh yeah. In fact, there's been two. Mm. Um, so the first question uh, that comes uh, from, uh, you know, an avid listener and someone who's a big fan of the show, uh, Corey Sleep, has has said, you know, he really, I, I don't want to use, the, I don't want to use the word triggered, but he really was uh, shocked that of how you defined yourself as an evangelical. And and he he asked me, well, I wouldn't have thought Matt would have described himself as an evangelical, and mostly because he's used that word used mm. in political, you know, in a very American political mm. type of you know type of word, as in Ronald Reagan had the support <laughs> of the okay. you know had the support of the evangelical church in America. Well, words can man, words can mean a lot of things, can't they? And yeah. I'm, I'm constantly reminded of that. So it's. Uh, it's a hard one. I mean evangelical in a theological sense. So um, I, I, I sort of, I sort of, I use the word scholarly. Uh, yeah. Is that, is well, that well certainly, um, certainly, pr- probably, maybe a th- in terms of, um, I guess, a fairly broad theological category. Um, 
event, you know, Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, very famous teacher in, from the mid 20th century, wrote a small book uh, called What is an Evangelical, actually. And uh, back when he wrote it, it was, you know, he defined an evangelical as someone who, um, you know, subscribes to the authority of scripture and uh, is very much um, uh, focused on uh, on the gospel and on um, on mission and also understanding that to be a Christian is to undergo a, a work of transformation by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. work of regeneration. So um, so that that sort of broad way of understanding an evangelical is, uh, you know, is sort of I find is generally accepted, but outside of that, that there, you know, it, it's to some extent has I've heard it used almost a, as a pejorative uh, term as, uh, you know, evangelicals uh, are, I don't know, maybe Bible bashers or, yes. uh, or really far right wing, you know, as you, as you say, mm. you know, and whatever your views are in uh, politics, we're certainly not here to talk politics, but, um, yeah, I, I mean evangelical in that sense that that Martin Lloyd Jones would define okay. evangelical. It's 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 a it's a handy way of uh, defining uh, a theological position that takes uh, the authority of Scripture into into account. So if I say you know most evangelical scholars believe such and such, I mean those who take seriously the authority of Scripture. You know, mm-hmm. because there's a whole bunch of scholars out there are saying, well, yeah, the Bible may say it, but it ain't necessarily so. So how would that how would that be? I I, I totally get you. Um, and it's almost like a worldview type of thing. You have mm. an evangelical worldview, much. Mm. I, but the way you're describing it is much more about the way that you see the world more than how the world wants to classify you. You know, type of thing. Yeah. It, well, it's a it's a Again, it's a it's a theological position. It's a it's a it's a way of. Um, uh, it's also let me give you a historical uh, angle. So right. evangelicalism, you know, obviously its roots are in the Reformation, um, but particularly, actually, the roots of evangelicalism can be found in the um, in the Great Awakening. Uh, that that period of the Great Awakening, which which brought about a renewed focus. On biblical preaching and on um, on the importance of a personal work of transformation yes. uh, in our life, uh, focus on the centrality of Scripture, and then a focus on mission. Because of course, the early mission movement uh, was very evangelical. Mm. In uh, and, and, and that it's it's related to the word evangelistic. Yes, yes. And sometimes people use the word evangelical when actually what they mean is evangelistic. So such and such and such a person is very evangelical mm. because they, you know they're always wanting to tell people about God, which is great. Let's mm. we should be. Um, but uh, that, that's that me, that's evangelistic. Evangelical um, uh, is related to the word the. the if, um, the uh, we talk about the evangelists being the um, evangelon being the gospels, uh, yes. the, the four gospels. So it's yeah. focused on uh, on the gospel. It's really a sen- evangelicalism. So so out of out of that out of that on the gospel of out of that Greek word. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yep, comes uh, not only an amazing uh, shout out to all my Japanese animation loving people who loved Evangelion. <laughs> uh, you know, the the, the the franchise there. No one knows what you're talking. about. I know about, there's t- the two people who are listening are like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> the uh, but you, you're talking. Sorry, getting back on track. Out of that Greek word, we get both the the concept of being an evangelist, yeah. and also the concept of being someone who's been saved by that gospel and yeah. had had their worldview That's changed right. like that. Yeah, the Greek word evangelion or Euangelion, you know, in in Greek, is yeah. the good news. Yes, yeah, it's basically the good news. Yeah. So, um, uh, and I think it's an appropriate word for a focus uh, for a movement that has a focus. I, I find it a use. I find it a useful category. I, I it, it's perhaps starting to mean something. And, and as as Corey rightly points out, it, because of the engagement of of evangelicals in politics. Yes, uh, and, and a strong. You know, very strong engagement in America, particularly with right uh, wing politics. Uh, there, it, it's it's started to mean something else. Yes. Whereas it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily in its original 
um, way of using it, and certainly the way that I use it doesn't imply any particular political. No, we, we, we uh, don't conviction. want any political baggage on that. Why don't you use a word word like um, you know? Why don't you use the denomination that you're part of? Like I, I'm a Baptist. Yeah, because it's it's bigger than the denomination. Though. Okay. It, it actually um, evangelicalism is um, uh, is. Well, it's identified by um, Rodney Stark, historian and um, sociologist, who I've quoted for before on this show. He identifies evangelicalism, and, and even in his mind, you know, it's, it's a useful category to embrace all of those Christians today yep. who focus on the gospel, mission, and, and the centrality of the Bible. Um, and he, he re- recognised that's important because because they are preserve because evangelicals preserve something. They're, mm-hmm. they're not. Throwing out the the the, um, uh, the Bible, and yet they f- tend to be flexible in terms of tradition. They're not they're not locked okay. into that's into a great tradition. point. Yeah, that's so, a great so, point. So they so as a movement, it's it's able to move fluidly into different cultures and even different time periods. And you know, Rodney Stark uh, identifies evangelicalism as the fastest growing religious movement actually in the world. In a recent um, a recent book called The Triumph of Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, he has uh, he's had uh, access was given access to latest statistics, you know, very um, recent statistics from all over the world, and he uh, talks about evangelicalism in those sorts of terms. So, it, you know, it's being used out there, <laughs> and and it's just a handy way of of bracketing and uh, speaking about all of those. Churches and there are many all over the world who you know who are grounded in scripture, um, are focused on the gospel, yeah. strongly uh, focused on mission, and um, and there are many and it's a, it's a wonderfully uh, wonderful movement worldwide. It has lot different variations. Yes, with there are different convictions, now, but the, on the fundamentals of the faith, yes, evangelicals are remarkably united. Now you've used three other words over the over today and in the last one we talked about it that that I want you to define really quickly. I know, sorry, Matt, we're getting into a definition, no, that's right. but I think I think you don't carry the baggage of words because you're you you are locked in as a teacher and a scholar mm. and a certain way of thinking things. Uh, other people with different experiences come in with different different mm. uh, baggage. Word word number one. You've you even just uh, even today you talked about how the evangelical movement has roots in the reformed way of looking at you know or you know the, reform, the reformation in the reformation. So yeah. okay, so some, there's a lot of talk today and a lot of young people, especially people who listen to this podcast, who are who might identify as reformed or think that you might be a reformed type of speaker okay. and stuff like that. Uh, you really okay? We're, we're getting into that. Okay, we're getting question. into the weeds. We're getting into the weeds. Okay, no, that's a good question because these these are uh, terms that get used. So, so uh, reformed can refer to two things. One, it's a the, the reformed church is a denom- denom- denomination that has mm-hmm. its roots in in Holland, in the Netherlands. Um, it's also a term that's used to defi- define a, uh, a theological position. Yes, that is um, continuous with the work of John Calvin, um, and. Uh, a particular emphasis. Now, uh, that theological leaning is one of, you know, one within the evangelical movement, one of many in the evangelical right. movement, right? That's exactly the point I wanted you to okay. make. Yep. Uh, and, um, and it can be, it can run across many denominations. So you could be a Reformed Baptist or a Reformed mm-hmm. Presbyterian or, or you know, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, a Reformed Anglican. Yes. Um, uh, and, yeah, so, so that that describes a theological uh, position, but evangelicalism, the bracket of evangelicalism, is even broader. So it's yes. it embraces a lot of things, yes, which is then tricky. Actually, words that tend to be very broad, uh, trying to bra- uh, embrace many things, uh, can be tricky. But how, however, I think it's a valuable word because of the focus that I've mentioned before, and it's you know focus on the authority of Scripture. We work within those bounds. Okay, uh, focus on on you know gospel centered. Committed to the fundamentals of the faith, and um, uh, and also you know to, to mission. Now, there's another word that has been used uh, in the past. And that's fundamentalist. Fundamentalist. Next on my that next on my list. Okay. Um, now, uh, see if you can guess the fourth one. I, I've got in my head here. <laughs> okay. About. Now, uh, f- um, fundamentalism uh, has, and, and again, we're talking about words here, and you know. Words, the meaning of words comes a lot from usage and fundamentalism, 
uh, has become more of an, a negative term. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it tends to be, it tends to uh, summon up I images of someone who's very s much stuck in the mud mm. uh, and and much more conservative. Yeah. Uh, so very very conservative. Yeah. So I I would say that fundamental. So, so I I would say that even fundamentalists would be on the very conservative end of the evangelical They would scheme. be included in the, in the big yeah, spectrum that you're yeah, talking so, about. So, so they would be, for example, you know, a fundamentalist perhaps would be committed to uh, a very – uh, you know, like a 6,000-year-old, like young earth creationist would be probably fundamentalist. As, as someone who grew up in a fundamentalist, who were proudly fundamentalist yeah, yeah. church, that's myself, very yeah. uh, in roots in the Southern Baptist or Bible yeah. Baptist yeah. type of worldview, independent Baptist here in Australia. Yeah, uh, yeah the, some of the tenets would be a very um, turn or burn message, a very hell and brimstone message, yeah. very, very based on the fundamentals of the faith. Uh, a little bit skeptical of higher education. Mm. Um, a little, a little bit skeptical mm. of people with, you know, a lot of mm. letters after their name, as in because God has given every man the right to be the priest, you know, the right. priesthood type okay. of thing. Uh, but also very committed to like the KJV only. Now we're talking a little bit more about culture. Yeah, yeah that's that's true. you know very very yeah. conservative when it comes to the KJV and other translations. Meaning very King James version. King James yeah. only, um, and very conservative when it comes to music as well. Uh, hymns only. Some yeah. some fun, some fundamentalist churches would have no drums or syncopation, yeah. uh, and uh, you know men would be expected to wear a tie, and women would be expected to wear long dresses and skirts. Thank you for that wonderful definition. Now, I'm, I'm <laughs> Getting a little bit more under the culture in there, but, but that's, that's that, you know that that's part of the diversity of the you know of the Christian movement, and 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 um, uh, we're not invalidating that. We're just trying to describe. We're here describing the different aspects of yeah. of what can fall within the evangelical movement, because within the evangelical movement, you've you've got um, uh, more progressive evangelicals who still hold to the fundamentals of the faith, but um, are uh, uh, maybe a little broader in terms of their um, views on the relationship between Bible and science, maybe uh, a little more, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, so, so for example, also you've got a charismatic, like within the, you've got the charismatic movement, movement yeah. and, and, you know, um, within there as well. In the, So you've got lots of, within evangelicalism, there's lots of diversity. Okay. Which isn't a bad thing, by the way. Diversity actually, um, let's not think that diversity is a bad thing. And it's not that we're all just arguing with each other. And, and actually, in a way, the diversity within the evangelical movement keeps a good, robust discussion oh, going. I couldn't agree with you more. Mm. I could not agree with you more. That That's uh, something, uh, you know, that we could spend all day yeah. talking about. Last word to give you. Okay. Uh, and you've used it a couple of times, and I think we've defined it many moons ago, but I think in, th in this discussion it'd be, it'd be great. You talked about you wanting to stick to the orthodoxy of the, of the faith. Yeah. And you're using that word orthodox. Straight away a lot of people think of, you know, the Greek Orthodox yeah, or Russian Eastern Orthodox, Orthodox yeah, or yeah. Russian Orthodox, those type of churches. And it's like, hang on, are you talking about that type of yeah. church? What does that mean to – am I orthodox? What are you – like – Okay. Uh, no, I'm, I'm – yes. Hang on. Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, yes, th there is uh, there, there is the Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox in referring to those denominations. I'm not using it like that. Orthodoxy, um, uh, you know, um, uh, G.K. Chesterton wrote a very famous book called Orthodoxy, mm -hmm. and, I mean, he was talking about Catholic Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is being true to the uh, – is, is really being true to the historic Christian faith. Um, orthodoxy, you know, so the if I speak about theological orthodoxy, mm. I mean that I'm working within well-defined bounds, mm -hmm. that there are certain things that have been well-defined, we believe they're well-defined in Scripture, they've been well-formulated throughout history uh, to be uh, when we talk about orthodoxy in this broad sense. It you means that I'm basically, I'm basically committed to the... Um, you know, to the historic creeds of the faith. Mm -hmm. You know, to a trinitarian view of God, mm -hmm. to to the uh, uh, to the centrality of Christ, and and the you know the views on the atonement and the deity of Christ. And you, so you're forth. basically sticking to the very de you know uh, 
dictionary definition of the word orthodox, i.e., yeah. i.e., like when when someone says, you know, oh gee, you're doing that in a very unorthodox way. Yeah, you're doing it yeah. in a very different, unaccept, uh, you know, yeah. typically non-traditional way. Yeah. So for so for that type of definition for the for the faith means that it's it looks like it's a very historical way of looking at this has been the accepted parameters of what Christianity yeah. is. I'm sticking within that. I'm sticking within that orthodoxy. Yeah, yeah that's right. And and this doesn't mean um, w- when I say that, if, perhaps for some people that may think uh, some people may think, oh well, you're really limiting yourself there. That what do you, uh, is isn't that suffocating? Uh, well, no, actually, it, it, no, it's not um, because you know we work. Uh, we're part of a movement. We're part of a worldwide movement that began with Christ and the apostles. The church today is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets mm. with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And from there it grew into, it has grown into a worldwide movement. It has defined its beliefs through, for example, through the, those early Trinitarian controversies in the first, really the first 600 years uh, of, of the church. Um, it, it, it defined its beliefs. It has defined its beliefs through history uh, with greater and greater clarity on the, fu- actually on the fundamentals, on the, the really central aspects of the faith that there is, as I've said, among evangelicals, mm. that is those who take the Bible as the word of God. Mm. There's remarkable. I, I think remarkable unity. I think we yes. we often focus on on, on the, our differences on the ten percent, if yeah. that that we disagree. But when on. it comes to the the, the uh, you know the real fundamental creedal yes um, uh, beliefs, mm, mm. We, there is actually remarkable uh, unity. So, so I I said uh, in the last episode, I said that I am committed to theological orthodoxy. I, I work within those bounds. Mm. I, I said that it's um, I'm not interested in coming up with something new. Yeah. Um, now I want to come up with fresh ways of saying things and be as creative as I can. And, yeah. But in doing that, I'm very much working within the bounds of orthodoxy. So mm. even in writing the Thrive um, uh, Bible Reading Guide, you know, I'll try to say things in fresh ways and illustrate things creatively and do, do all those things. But I'm very consciously working within within boundaries. Yeah, and and it's not and, and it's not for me. It's not particularly in my position as a teacher. My Responsibility is to pass on two thousand years of Christian theology in a way that is trustworthy and faithful to that um, mm. to that theological tradition. And remember, this was all in light of Paul's letter yeah. to the Colossians, where the church of uh, the church, you know, that he was writing to, was sticking to the fundamentals that they had been taught. As Paul says, "Remember what we taught you. We st- yeah. stick to that." Yeah. And then these teachers come in, yeah, with right. extra stuff to add into it. So, in yeah. light of that, that's where the discussion was held. Yeah, and and it's interestingly, the, the point is made by uh, by uh, Rodney Stark, who I um, referred to before, that whenever that hist- history shows. Um, that and, and uh, there's another book by Harold Linzel, a, a theologian called Harold Linzel, and I forget the title of it now, uh, who also makes this point that whenever Christians have moved away from Scripture, you know, have have put the Bible to the side and have focused on philosophy or or like worldly philosophy or just psychology or just or whatever, have mm. have um, have moved away from those fundamental beliefs, thrown them out to, to whatever extent. It's what tends to happen is that the vital DNA that has caused the Christian church to grow so remarkably and that is causing it to grow Mm. so remarkably Mm. worldwide, it messes with that and it dwindles out and disappears. So it's kind of self-sorting. I mean, you you get a church that that chucks the Bible, oh, no, we don't believe the Bible anymore. Mm. I give that church one generation, it'll be gone within Within a generation. generation. That is so true. Harold Linsel makes this point. I mean, and it's in, I think his book is called The Battle for the Bible, actually. Uh, And... Where he argues for for holding to the um you know to the authority and inspiration of scripture, mm. and because as soon as we as soon as we throw that out, we lose the vital DNA that uh, that ha- has really caused this movement to grow. And, and in this sense, you know, as I, I, I sometimes say that the truth is self authenticating. Yeah. As, as soon as we we throw that or water it down, mm. um, and and. Then it, it loses its power, and this is what Paul is saying again and again and again. I think to bring this back to where we want to be, 
again and again and again through his letters, Paul is trying to preserve the message, right? Because no sooner does he come into an area than there, there are other teachers coming and wanting to distort the message. They're wanting to change it. They're wanting to add, you know, um, Greek ideas and yeah. all sorts of things. And he is saying to these churches, it is absolutely vital that you are faithful to the, to the faith that was delivered to you. Mm. Um, because if that gets watered down or distorted, the gospel loses its power, yeah, yeah. and um, and that has been well vindicated by history. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Okay, one last question about this. Now, out of all of that discussion, there was one last final question that came out of that discussion. We had this one little tiny, you know, mm. paragraph that we talked about in the last yeah. episode. In in the point that you were making that you want to stay within the bounds of orthodoxy and you yeah. wanted to, you know, happily live, uh, you know, both, um, you know, both by conviction of your faith and both in the challenge as a teacher, you mm. want to live within the bounds. You don't want to be looking into these, you know, whole new deep teaching type of thing. A couple of people heard that and said, "Well, hang on, aren't we supposed to go mm. deeper? Aren't we? You know, yeah. you know, if someone starts talking to me about." Um, a different philosophy, or I talk to a uh, you know someone who is very steeped in Jewish way of thinking. That was yeah, one yeah. of the questions that came out, like a Jewish understanding of you know numbers and and you know all these different things. Yeah. Isn't this a de- doesn't this add to our faith? Can't it make it all deeper and more beautiful? Or do we just stay away from that? No, it absolutely can. Um, it um, within. Within those, and I know I may sound like a sort of stuffy conservative. Now you know, you know, TJ. That I, I, that's I'm my very, job. That's my job here. I'm very far from a from a stuffy, <laughs> uh, you know, conser- I'm very far from a stuffy conservative. Um, I, I the. the you know, the church is growing constantly. We are growing in our understanding of Scripture mm. as time goes on, you know. Mm. And, and and can, can I just make a real important point there? Yeah. The church collectively, the universal yep. church, is growing in our understanding of Scripture because that is what Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would yeah. do. Yeah, that's right. This is yeah. a work of the Holy Spirit yeah. in our, in growing our understanding. Yeah. And when and we might, from our tiny position, mm. look at it and go, "Why are these weird teachers arguing about this minuscule yeah. jot and tittle yeah. over here?" No, 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 no. In the bigger picture, this is the Holy Spirit defining yeah. and sharpening what we know, so the next generation yeah. could go even further. Yeah. So, so the, the, the process—it's not a process of adding beliefs. Mm. It's a process of. Of, of a deeper appreciation and understanding of the faith that is presented to us in Scripture. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and that's really important. So, different times in history have brought up different challenges, and and different circumstances highlight different things. Um, you know, this I talked about the Reformation. This happened during the Reformation, and it caused you know that the circumstances triggered them to look at Scripture and and make you know, and and. And there was a wonderful sense of development there, but it's important to recognise that that process didn't stop at the Reformation. I yes. think some people yeah. feel like, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, we, we got to Luther and Calvin and then there was no more development yeah. a, a, after there. No, there has been. There's been a deepening understanding uh, of things. and But that deepening understanding is something that happens uh, amongst a worldwide community of evangelical scholars who are, who are accountable to each other. And um, and that's you know that's important and uh, and and they are working within uh, working within those boundaries. So yes, there is within those within uh, those biblical boundaries. There is lots of room for for deeper insight and understanding and you know different perspectives mm. and so forth. Um, so. Uh, and, and lots of work still to be done. Okay, I'm going I'm to throw one last question. I know we're yeah, getting way sidetracked, but I think there's one way That's to wrap good, up this. It's a good sidetrack. It is a good sidetrack. Um, w- one last question. Well, then we'll take a little break and we'll come back with First Thessalonians, what this episode yeah. is supposed to be about. But with uh, people wanting to go deeper, yeah. and, and again, we had, a, we had a couple of questions on this, one in particular about someone really looking, like I said, a lot of the Jewish history and looking at the, you know, mm. either the Greek or the Hebrew words and the yep. values and all this other other stuff that is added in there. Yep. When do we get to the point where we go, is there a self-check that you have experienced or you have seen in, in your flock where you go, okay, warning bell, ding, 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 you're now going 
you're spending too much chasing down this extra knowledge yeah, instead okay. of sticking to the fundamentals. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that can certainly happen when we, uh, when we focus on, particularly it's when there's, when there's an excessive focus on, on a, on a gray area. One of the things that I've said, DJ, is that I, I, I'm often very keen to let the gray areas of the Bible be gray. We do no justice to the Bible when we make gray areas black and white, you know, um, a, a gray area, uh, it, it, I think it's, um, uh, it's, quite commonly understood now, and there are some people disagree with this, but it's, it's quite broadly understood now that the, the issue of the age of the earth is a grey area. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In, uh, now, it might not be, dear listener, it might not be in your life, you, yeah. you know, as in the age of the earth. Yeah, yeah. You might be a staunch young right. creationist you, 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 and you were convinced on that. Fantastic. Yeah. Let me introduce you to this fellow believer right. over here who thoroughly knows that the earth is, you know, whatever, four billion years old, whatever. Like yep. he thoroughly believes that. He's staunchly believing on that. And that's what we mean by a gray area. Yeah. So, so it's a gray area, gray area in the sense, I mean, it's another gray area is the, the classic millennial debate, you know, the Revelation chapter 20. And there are, there are different views on, on that chapter and the meaning of this thousand year period. Mm. And, and, and the views are split amongst evangelicals. I mean, it's the same with, you know, pro, you know, there are, there are different approaches to the book of Genesis and how we, you know, how we interpret that, those first couple of chapters. And, and, and it's not, it's not like, oh, the people that believe the Bible all hold to this on oh, everyone else is just outside of orthodox. No, no, no. Even within the evangel, within the evangelical bounds, there are, there are people with a number of different views who all nevertheless hold to the, uh, inspiration authority of scripture. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's the same with diff- people that hold different millennial views there. there and, and we would say, well, there's a grey area. Um, whereas, um, when it comes to, you know, the, the um, God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the deity of Christ, the atonement, um, justification by faith, uh, you know, th- mm. th- these are th- the fact that Jesus is coming back. Mm. Um, these are the fundamentals that all evangelicals uh, ag- agree agree with, and. Um, uh, so, uh, so I think um, you know those are the black and white things, and um, th- th- there's there's plenty of discussion to be had on the grey areas, and we shouldn't allow that to sp- split us. Sometimes people get so invested to get back to your main point, get so invested in one particular view, say a millennial, uh, you know, millennial view, and and they will just read to to support their view. They won't mm. read anything else. I mean, honestly, I've I've you know met. People, when I've suggested an alternative, they're what? Mm. It, it's like what, what, mm. th- 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 there was no consciousness that there even were different, slightly different approaches to that. Um, and you know, they'll often say, "Oh, no, no, but but you should," because re- I'll, I'll say, "Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm actually not totally sure what my view is with that." Because and they'll say, "Oh, no, but you need to read this and this and this book." And my response is, "No, often, no, it's not." I'm not not sure because I haven't read enough. I'm actually, I, because I've read quite broadly, I realise that, you know, the jury's out a bit on this one and this is a grey area and I'm actually committed to keeping that grey. So I might lean towards a particular view, um, but um, I'm going to let grey be grey because the black and white stuff is the stuff we need to focus on. Said, man. Now let us roll into this actual episode. All of that is introduction uh, for um, you know wrapping up what we were talking about last episode. And we love your questions. Please 
uh, you know, send us your questions. We love hearing your feedback and, uh, you know, br- you know, bringing us up. We, you know, anything that we can answer, uh, we, we will try to. Now, uh, we're moving into, uh, in, into our reading of, of the, the first letter to the church of Thessalonica, the first mm-hmm. epistle to, um, um, well Thessal- said. Thank you. I've been practicing the, uh, <laughs> the, um, uh, now the, a lot of scholars would argue that this is the, probably the, one of the earliest letters, if not the first letter that Paul had written to, to the church. You know, um, it doesn't have some of the features that later letters would have. He doesn't mm. talk about some of the common themes that he has. It's very focused, um, in, in, you know, addressing, uh, a church that we, that we see. I think it's in Acts 17. We see the background of the birth mm. of this church. Yeah. Um, and, and how it came to be. Give us a little bit about, about that. Uh, yes, it is one of the earliest letters, along with Galatians, of course, which is uh, possibly the earliest. The, the um, two letters to Thessalonians written quite uh, close together, um, probably even within a week uh, of each other, wow. a week or two uh, apart. Um, Thessalonica is is the main sort of port city, uh, the main gateway to um, uh, Macedonia. You remember that uh, Paul had a vision of a Macedonian man calling him over. Yeah. And so they went to Macedonia and Thessalonica um, uh, was a really important centre. That is really the the, the key centre there. Um, uh, lots of activity coming through. It was the gateway to the, to the Macedonian hinterland. Um, so that was a very strategic, uh, strategic position. Paul went there, ministered there. Had lots of opposition actually from the Jews, but at this stage, um, he's really being followed around by uh, by Jewish opponents. Yes, um, and uh, who are opposing his message, and he has so much op- so much opposition actually. There's there's there there is a string of areas. I mean, we see that he has opposition in Philippi and and uh, in a number of centres coming over to Macedonia and he's actually amazed because he says here at one point that he was just delighted when he heard this the 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 report the that report Timothy brought about this church. Oh, they're going really well. Yeah. I think. Because we see in we see in the book of Acts, at most he had yeah. a month with them. Yeah, he had a month with them and and, and he there was so much opposition. Yeah. So I I think he he's he has this this wonderful sense of surprise that yeah. oh wow they're still going. I mean, and this is the wonderful thing about him. I mean, he planted this seed, yeah. and the seed is living. It's a living seed. Yeah. You know those. I don't know if you've had experiences like that, but there, there, are, there are people that you just, you know, that that embrace, uh, you know, embrace the gospel, and you think, ah, oh, you know, and they they sort of wander off and yeah. and get, you know, I don't know, get sidetracked, and you think you're never going to see them again, and then f- years later, you, you you see that it's borne amazing fruit in their life. Yeah. And you're reminded uh, that the seed is living, yeah. and often we doubt that. And Paul has this experience. You know, obviously, it doesn't always take root in the parable of the sower. And yes. in Matthew 13, you know, indicates that uh, that the seed can a lot of things can happen to it. But the promise is that some it, of it will always bear a crop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of it will always come up, and, and, and this is what's happened. And, in, uh, yeah, and, like and it's and it's a combination of. Uh, we don't know what the heart is like, what that good yeah. soil is like. We can't yeah. see in there. And this and this person that just comes past, we yeah. go, oh, I don't really know if that heart yeah. was really genuine. But the other factor is the seed is tiny. You know, yeah. sometimes we sometimes we think, man, to to have that really up, you know, rootly, you know, you need for yeah. it to take root and have a great upbringing. You've got to have not this little seed. You've got to have this great big collection yeah. of seeds and all this truth dumped yeah. in. And sometimes it's like just the wisp of a gospel goes out, yeah. and that's all the person needed to go. I yeah. mean, that's, oh, that's it, right? And and here here are a, <laughs> a group of people in Thessalonica who have probably faced opposition, yeah, and and yet they're still going. You know, they're still going, yeah. and and it's amazing that they're still going. They're identifying as a group. They're identifying as a Christian church, mm. and Paul hears about them and he's absolutely delighted. I mean, it's mm. it's it's a miracle, you know yeah. that that. That this has happened, it's the work of God, and and he's so encouraged when he hears this um, this report. But of course, th- this this infant church, yes, it's still alive, but it's beset by all sorts of problems, all of the classic sort of pastoral problems. Remember, this is a very young church. Mm. He hasn't spent long there. They have taken aspects of the message 
um, that, you know, for example, Paul has spoken about the return of Christ and, and they think it's, you know, they, they're expecting this any moment. Some of their number actually die in the meantime, have passed away. Yeah. And they're fretting, thinking, oh, have they missed out somehow? Yeah. Uh, and, and so Paul has to address this. You know, he says that, uh, no, they haven't missed out, but they, you know, they'll be included when Christ comes. And so he addresses that in the first letter of, uh, to the Thessalonians. In the second letter, he has to address, um, he, he talks about, uh, he addresses this issue in a similar way because there are some that think it's already happened, he's come and we've been left behind, you know. Yeah. And he has to say, no, 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 it hasn't happened. Uh, some, that actually, it, it can't have happened yet because there are certain things that need to happen before. Um, and, uh, and he talks about the coming of the man of lawlessness and so yeah. so we, um, we get into that. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's dealing with, you know, standard problems, you know, there's things like false teaching. There are people who are – who have come into the church say, well, who is this Paul guy? You know, what's, what's the big deal with this guy? And, uh, well, he hasn't been back anyway. And so they're questioning Paul's authority and, and all of the sorts of things you would expect of an infant church, which it's, makes it remarkable it, that it, these it, churches survived. Yeah. All. It's, it's totally a work of, a work of God, a totally miraculous thing. Mm. And I love the first few chapters of this, you know, of this book lay out, um, you know, the heart of Paul in a really candid way that we don't get to yeah. see very often. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's being very open. Like yeah. it's such a, like a diary entry yeah. of Paul saying, you know, he uses words like such f- uh, um, familiar yeah. words with them, yeah. you know, saying he was a mother, he was a father. Mm. I love there's a phrase in there, and it's different translated in different ways, that he, when he, you know, we, you know, when we came with you and we spent time with you, and he uses all these different words about the time they spent together, even though we see in Acts, it's maybe a month. Yeah. He says, you know, we were really with you. Like, we, you saw the real us. Yeah. We were really there. Like, we were there with you at the birth yeah. of this church. Yeah. And he's been longing and fretting about them like a like a parent while they've been everywhere oh, else and praying for them. He's constantly saying, "I'm praying." You could just imagine yes. he's just praying, "God, yeah. let them and, and, he, and he said, "Like when I couldn't bear it anymore, when when me and the team couldn't bear it, I said, Timothy, you've got to go back. Yeah, you've got to see how they're doing and yeah. come back." And so when Timothy comes back and is like. Look, they're persecuted. They're having a rough time, but my goodness, the faith is growing. Your Paul's, prayers are answered. Paul was like, "Hooray!" Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it, he is he is doing that, and he's often pointing out because you know, as I said, one of the things that happens is that people come in and who is this Paul guy? And Paul has to constantly remind them, "Listen, I wasn't there because I got anything out of this. You know, I didn't make money from you. I yeah. made my own living. I didn't. Uh, you know, uh, I uh, you saw my way of life. Yeah. Uh, you." I was gentle uh, with yeah, you. I was gentle with yeah. you. Um, not only that, but as he says here, he says our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power yeah. and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Mm. So uh, he talks about this idea of the living seed, mm. but also the fact that Paul, uh, in 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 these times, it was authenticated by uh, often with signs and wonders uh, happening in these in these areas. So he, you know, he points to these things as well, and he points to his. His character, he points to the fact that he, he didn't demand anything of, of them. He was pouring himself out for these people um, just so that they are not questioning this. Someone's been in their ear. So mm. It reminds you, doesn't it, of, of what the serpent did in, in Genesis chapter 3 mm. with God. Oh, did mm. God really say? Yeah, but God, no. It's that same, you know, sowing doubt, mm. uh, sowing doubt by causing – uh, these people to doubt Paul's motives and and Paul's message and so forth. Mm. And he actually, he actually, it's one of the again, it's such a it's such a diary entry of a letter for Paul yeah. when he says, "Look, I, we we were planning on doing this, we were planning on that yeah. doing this with you." Satan stopped yeah. us. Like he actually names, you know, he talks about that yeah. spiritual realm, mm. you know, in the fact that he's been yeah. stopped, and it's it, it makes a lot of sense when you see this is the this is really the birth. Mm. Of his ongoing yeah. war yeah. with the Jews, yeah. of going, we were establishing many Gentiles came, a few of you Jewish people came to faith, but then the Jews stirred it up, and they were really, you know, yeah. they had to, they had to be hidden and cha- and right, taken out of the city, you know, you know, back then when they were there because the Jews yeah. were Jews were out to get them. Well, um, just to qualify, I think it's important that we qualify that because. Yeah. 
um, the early church was made made up largely of Jewish believers. Yes, yes. I think that's important. So, yeah. and, so Paul, and Paul was called to the Gentiles. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. But he always went to the Jewish people first. Yes, and and certainly had many many uh, people come to faith in Christ yes. among among the Jews. Yeah. So initially, it was uh, it was a Jewish messianic movement. Uh, yes, but the, but there was within. Judaism, there was a strong strand of opposition. Yes, those who re- those it was quite polarizing. There were some that accepted it, but those who rejected it rejected it vehemently. Yes, and, as, as and, Paul, as and Paul within did. those yeah. and within those people, there were a group of very outspoken people, and we shouldn't allow um, the the vehemence of their opposition um, make us think that it was everyone or no. it was just a very sorry. And that's, and that's group. me generalizing, yeah. you know, you know, saying yeah, that there's a certain but, but it is, it is a, it's an ever present issue and, and it caused a lot of problems. Uh, but Paul's, Paul's heart is always for his own, uh, his own people and, mm. and he wants to see them come to faith. He goes, as he says, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. He always goes to them first. And, um, but eventually, uh, more and more, uh, this becomes, uh, a movement that moves out into the Gentile world. Now, th- there were many. One of the reasons um, why this uh, had such strong uptake among Gentile believers, and he refers to this in a number of his letters, mm. is because a-, a lot of Gentiles w- were drawn actually to the monotheism of Judaism, but they they could never really become full covenant members. Mm. Um, they, they could become hangers-on in a way, but th- they could never really become full covenant members. They were always slightly second class. Whereas Paul comes out with this message that, uh, that we, that through Christ we have the opportunity to be grafted into this covenant mm. as equal members of the mm. covenant. Mm. And, um, and so, f- so a lot of the early Gentile believers were actually those were, who were there in the synagogues yep. listening. Yep. Um, they were often the most receptive yes. because this gave them the opportunity to be, uh, to be recognized uh, as of equal status before God. Yeah, yeah, and the, the real good news for them. And it was a really tough uh, for a lot of the Jews and the early church, including yep. – you know, members, you know, of the, you know, the original disciples, including yeah. members of Jesus's own family, yeah. including the early, a lot of the Jewish early church. This was a hard thing to come, yeah. come over. And, mm. uh, you know, a hard thing, but we're not going to, anyway, that, that's yeah. a historical point of it. If we get back to the book of Thessalonians and we'll wrap up with this and we'll finish off the, mm. you know, uh, finish off with this. We see, you know, pretty much the first three chapters of the book of, book of Thessalonians. There's five chapters in it. The first three chapters is Paul, like, you know, almost reminiscing and talking about the facts yeah. with Timothy and going back and looking at the history and that real diary entry. And then when we hit chapter four, we get to the specific issues that obviously Timothy has come back with a few yeah. specific questions. Questions for Paul mm. about how the church is going, and they are, you know, things like, uh, you know, relationships among Christians, how the how how, how that's working yeah. uh, in the church, um, the 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 issue of mourning over those who have died once they've become Christians, and, yeah. the, and the question around that, and then also, and that leads into the thought of how do we then look at and prepare of and think as a Christian about God's second coming, about yeah. God coming back, and that's how he like wraps, coming back, yeah, yeah, Christ coming back, you know, God, yeah, if the the finished work of God. What's going to happen? Yeah. They're hearing different things. Yeah. They're a little bit confused. And then, of course, as Paul always loves to do, he then yeah. brings all of that together and go. And here's how you behave day to day. Here's here's yeah, some rubber right. hit the roading. So that's the last couple of chapters here of yeah. Thessalonians. I guess one of the big issues as people read through this is the questions that come up in both this and Second Thessalonians is of these ideas. And and it's funny because we talked about it at the first point, the first half of the mm. episode about these grey areas. Yeah. And one of the grey areas is about the end of the age, the end of the world, the end, you know what mm. it means when Christ returns. Here's some questions that Paul talks about here. Yeah, well, well what's black and white? Let's focus. Let's just uh, state what's black and white. Yeah, it, it certainly is that Christ is coming again. Yes, <laughs> That's, you know, and and that that he's you know that he will usher in final judgment and that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Um, and uh, but and it's also clear that there will be some kind of Antichrist, man of lawlessness. Yes. That's also fairly clear from mm. this. Now, see, here's, here's where we get to the gray areas. What exactly does he mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. there are some people who think, well, it's going to be this and it's going to look like that and it's going to be this. And so there are lots of theories within that. So go mm. to town on whatever your theory is. Um, 
But uh, f- first of all, uh, the point that he wants to make is that those who have died, um, they go to be with the Lord. Yes. Like they're not lost. Yep. Uh, they go to be with the Lord. And when he comes, they'll come with him. Yes. Yes. And and when he comes, we will be caught up in the air yeah. and we yeah. will meet them. Yeah. Uh, and so um, – and he says uh, that uh, this is – that for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the, with the sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, let us encourage one another with these words. And He'll say this is going to happen. You know, in fact, Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter. Chapter twenty four, and there's be, as in the days of Noah, people be eating and drinking and yeah. going about their business, and bang, it'll come upon them and without them knowing. And that 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 imagery that Paul uses of the yeah. trumpet, the archangel, yeah. these type of things—that's the imagery that John uses yeah. in the book of Revelation, yeah. as well. You know, that's those right. types of type, yeah. same type of thing. And this, Matt, Matt, talk about a lot of people are shocked when they've been raised in the church and then maybe not have, you know. Uh, read their Bible or read different translations or, or, you know, spent a lot of time knowing, knowing the scriptures. I've talked to a lot of young Christians and when I say to them, well, the word rapture actually isn't in the Bible. You know, we don't no. get, well, you know, their, their eyes are like, what are you talking about? Of course it is. Yep. But it comes from this passage here, that, uh, that idea yep. of caught up. Yeah. When Paul Being uses, caught up in the air. Yep. Paul talks, talks about the caught up. Now this is, you know, for some people, this might sound a bit, you know, heretical here, but this could be a grey issue for some. I know that know that a lot yeah. of evangelical believers have different views about what Paul is talking about here. Uh, yeah, the, the the idea of the rapture is is a, is an idea that uh, that without pretty much without any any warning will be that believers. It's like two will be uh, together, some and one you know one will just disappear. Mm. And um, and that that's an that's an interpretation of this is an interpretation of an, a few other passages. I won't go into it in a lot of depth, but um, it, it it is a view that belongs to. And I referenced before there are a number of different eschatological views. That's views of the end times of the end times. Yeah, and the the this idea of there being a rapture. Um, it's uh, it's a view that um, it's associated with the, the sort of dispensational view of. Uh, uh, that um, Christ will come, the, the the church will be raptured, yes, and then uh, they will be. It actually is a view that is associated with what's known as pre-tribulational, pre-tribulation yep. dispensational premillennialism. If you yep. want the full, uh, you know how much I love this. Yeah. You know how much I love. I love getting into okay. the weeds here. So this belongs to. I mean, because even. Even within dispensation, dispensationalism, there are different views yes. uh, on this. Yes, you know, you know, the, rap, the, the rapture belongs specifically to that early. Um, I mean, the, the, you, it could be associated with uh, other forms of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just thinking aloud here, um, but it's certainly to you have this pre-tribulation rapture mm-hmm. that there's going to be this seven-year tribulation, and the church is going to be raptured, just caught up uh, now, before now, that. Now, the reason why behind this, give if this is new to you or probably, I would say this is probably amongst our traditions, yeah. as in the Baptist tradition that, the, that we both yeah. move in, this is probably the most widely held view. Uh, today it is today, yes. yeah. As in, as in, yeah. you know, not, not, yeah, not not historically, but no. uh, but certainly in this uh, century, today, particularly because of the popularity due to the popularity of the Left Behind series, yeah. which uh, which um, which had this, really this shaped view. really yeah. shaped yeah. a lot of the a lot yeah. of the, the, the lot of the view. So yeah. the the concept being is that you know right now, and we see this time and time again, especially with Paul, with the teaching of Paul, is that God has has. Uh, is is hasn't finished working with the Jewish people. Yeah. But he's focused on the Gentiles now. It's yeah. the time of the church. Yeah. And so when the church is done, when the time yeah. of the when God has finished mm. you know calling all of the Gentiles into yeah. the church, he will finish that that dis, that mm. age, that dispensation, mm. that time period will finish and to wrap it up neatly in a bow. Yeah. He takes the you know the rapture happens yep. and the church is now gone. Yeah, and then 
God says, right, it's now time, you know, going back to the book of Daniel in the prophecy of Daniel, it's now time for that seven years of tribulation for me to deal with the Jews and to deal with the unbelievers of the world and to deal with Satan and the Antichrist and everything like that. Bang, that's happening there. So we have- summary. That's a simple summary. Good summary of that view. Of that view, of that view. And and, and it, it, it is a very biblically neat view, you know, as in it really- Works well on a chart. It yeah. it works well on, mm. you know, rightly dividing the word of God. That type of mindset yeah. of going, okay, I need to put every line of the Bible into a yeah. chart on a wall and where it fits on a calendar, that view works really well. That's right. Yeah. Now, the question is, was Paul writing, a, writing all these things for us to put them on a chart on a wall in a calendar? <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, know. Look, you can if you want. Yeah. I mean, like, go for it. Yeah. And And – and people are, are entitled uh, to that view. This, the, the specifics of how this works out, it is a bit of a grey area. You're right that that, that view does um, a lot of things do come together in that view, but, yeah. but, but there are you know there may be other issues. And it's, with it, but it's I, I, one of it's one of uh, it's one of many. You know, it's, yeah, it's one of a few. Different and, views. and we should say it's a, it's the most literal view. Of, yeah. of, of the end times. So when Paul says, or when John says, it's mm. this many days, this view goes, okay, that many days on the calendar. You know, it's a very literal view of, of that end time. Yeah. But the point I think that we ought, we need to keep coming back with mm. is that when Paul talks about this and gives us all this information, his, his ad, admonition at the end, he's, he says, now encourage one another yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah. This is the point of why I'm telling yeah, you about right. it yeah. is to live a certain way now, yeah. not just to be right in your, in your theology. Yeah, that's right. So, um, look, as I said before, that there are, you know, there are these different views, but I think it's really important that uh, we, we don't spend all our times time trying to work on the de- on the details that we focus on encouraging one another with what is what comes through really clearly because yeah. actually what comes through clearly is really uh, quite clear yeah um, and and you know I try I, I try I, I try so hard both as a pastor and in writing thrive to be conciliatory and sometimes sometimes it's hard and I know like People do get disappointed because perhaps maybe you feel like I don't represent a, a view that you you hold to, and it's only because I'm trying to be conciliatory. I'm not being wishy washy, or you know, I, I, as I've said before, I, I want to really take those fundamental aspects of the faith really seriously. Um, but I also need to be conciliatory, and um, but there's also something good about that because it focuses me on again and again and again on what is what is coming through really clearly. And here in Thessalonians, you know, Paul is saying we got to be ready, right? It's yeah. Jesus is coming back mm, mm, mm. and and we need to be in a state of readiness, yeah. even if it's in, in the sense that you don't know what when your time is up. Yeah. You know, uh, he, he's constantly t- exhorting us to live in a state uh, of, of readiness and that history – has a target. History has a goal. It's not just going to uh, mosey along in, in an aimless fashion forever. No, history has a goal, mm. and and that is that Christ is going to come back. There's there is going to be a final judgment, um, and Christ is going to uh, usher that in. What the what the details are around that? Um, we. we that there's there's the grey area, mm. but it's a wonderful thing to know that this is all going somewhere that you know the church is going to be uh, the church is going to be around right until the end the church is that Christ through the church is going to be victorious the, the yeast will spread through the dough the seed will grow into that great tree um, and all evil will be finally eradicated this is where history is going this is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ Jesus Christ, our one hope, the whole reason why God has seen fit to give us the view of the end times that he has done in his word and the reason why Paul has written what he does in the first book of Thessalonians. Next week, we get into the second book of Thessalonians. I know you're going to enjoy that. And we need your questions. If you have had questions be triggered from what uh, Matt and I have been talking about on this week's episode, please let us know. Head over to 
thrivetoday.net.au. That's thrivetoday.net.au, our home on the web, and it's a great place for you to ask questions and also find the links to us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page that lets you know what's going on with all things Thrive, and we also have a Facebook group, a place for you to discuss your questions and talk to the community. But I'll be with you next week for another episode of Thrive Deeper. This has been DJ Payne. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thrive Deeper or at the Thrive Today website where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive.